You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The season is officially over. The Sixers eliminated after, quite frankly, an ugly 99-90 Game 6 loss to the Miami Heat. Welcome to the new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before we jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. Joining me for this one, Mr. Jackson Frank. The final time we'll be doing this after a game, Jackson. Uh, man, lots to lots to discuss, not only for this game, but what it means for the offseason. I thought coming into this one, the Sixers would win. I was actually pretty confident that they would be able to send this to seven, whether they won in Miami in the decider. I mean, I, of course, I, I don't know how it would have felt going into it, but um, this game really came down to the third quarter. It was neck and neck throughout the first half, even though Miami jumped out to an early seven, nothing lead. The Sixers fought back. They were down 49, 48 at the break. And then the second half began. Miami outscored the Sixers 19 to four through, through seven minutes. Sixers had just four points on two of 14 shooting. What did you make of this, Jackson? And what do you think happened in that third quarter? Yeah, I mean, it was really the last minute and a half of the second, too. The Sixers drew up 48-45 after a maxi three. Gave a couple of buckets to you know, go into halftime down one. But, um, you know, it, it, was a, it was a multitude of things, really. Um, you know, James Harden went quiet. That's something that's happened to him throughout his career and in some of these, you know, important games and something that's happened even more throughout this last year and a half or so as he's adjusted to do a new role. Um, Tobias Harris is really quiet, except for one, you know, um, during that stretch, at least Joel couldn't get shots to fall. Um, you know, Huey Brown kept harping on the fact that he wasn't getting shots near the rim and stuff like that, but that's not Embiid's game. He's not some huge, like, you know, he's not going to dunk it ton. He's not going to power through you like that. Um, he struggled a little bit with the defense. Um, and then they just they just felt like they were going through the motions offensively. Um, they weren't really crisp. They had a couple of ugly turnovers. Um, when there was a ball that would kind of bounce, they would be the second one to, to approach it. So um, just really, really poor execution. And they're two top guys in different ways, one for being too deferential and one for just not getting shots to fall against some excellent defense. Um, we're not who they had to be in this game. And so that's where the game went away. And what was weird is, I know this happened at times, but like they clearly, like they ramped up the effort later in the game. Like they, there was clearly another gear this team had, and that wasn't there when it, when the game was you know shifting out of reach. So, um, just a really frustrating one to watch, and I don't really know what to make of it. And I, I think that's why the sports are so hard to cover is that there's clearly something the Sixers had to give to at least provide a, you know an ounce of hope for their fans and their team, but they didn't give it when the game was kind of slipping out of reach in that third quarter stretch, like you said. Yeah, and and again, that that was the frustrating part, right? Is the lack of effort and and guys like I mean, don't get me wrong, Tyrese Maxey didn't shoot the ball well. He was nine to twenty-two, only made one of seven three-point attempts. But you could tell he was busting his ass trying to make plays 
giving everything on the court. Same thing with Shake Milton, had to play 28 minutes. Danny Green ended up getting hurt, injured his left knee early in the first, did not return. So we saw some extra Shake minutes in this one because Matisse Thibel has just basically been MIA for the last like six months. I don't know what the hell happened to him, but looking at, at Shake Milton, uh, he played well too, tried to bring the Sixers back. He had that nice run at the end of the third that at least made it seem like it could be a game in the fourth. But again, that the Miami, the nine-point score, a lot closer than, than what this game was. The Sixers were down by 20 uh, in the fourth before really garbage time, and then that's when they were able to cut down into the lead. But let's focus on, I want to go, you know, basically each thing that kind of went wrong for the Sixers in this one. And, and let's start off with Joel Embiid. The guy's a warrior, no doubt about it, playing through the orbital injury, playing through the torn ligament in his shooting hand on the right thumb, a terrible shooting game for him, seven to 24, just two of eight from, from deep did have 20 points and 12 rebounds overall. But uh, the heat did a great job Jackson in this one and, and Bam Adebayo, especially you look at that first half and George Sedano mentioned this uh, during the ESPN broadcast that Embiid went just two of eight when guarded by Adebayo in the first half. But again, yeah, he was forcing some shots, but in my opinion, and I talked about this on Twitter was, wasn't getting the ball in easy spots, wasn't getting the ball on the block, wasn't getting any easy seals in front of the rim where he can just kind of turn and have his way and get to the free throw line. But I think that that was a lot to do with the fact that, A, the Sixers couldn't make basic entry passes, and B, it seemed like the Heat were just prepared for everything the Sixers were going to try and do. So not only looking at Joel Jackson, because I want to get your opinion on that, but also what do you think perhaps Doc Rivers and the rest of the team could have been doing in order to at least get something going in that third where they only managed 15 points, not ideal with your, with your season on the line. Yeah. I mean, I think there were kind of a, a number of factors that contributed to Joel's tough night. And I, and I think I, I tweeted it too, that like, you know, Maxi shake and Joel were kind of where they were going down swinging, right? Like they were at least trying to make something happen. Whereas Tobias and, and Harden, you know, weren't. And so um, there's only so much you can do at that point, right? Like James Harden was brought in, to, you know, make things easier for Joel. And he just did like so little in that third quarter. And even in the fourth, he was the game, you know, after the first two minutes of the fourth, the game was over basically. Um, like, so you could like, there's not much you can do. If you can't, you can't put Joel, Joel farther away from the perimeter. If you have no one to get in the ball, if your best playmaker is going to just watch from the wing. Right. So um, you can't get in the ball on the move. If you don't have the passers to like thread the needle when he's on the move. And also he played 44 minutes. Like he was, he was gassed all night. Like, you know, I think, you know, he, he, he kept talking about, he was falling again and whatnot. And like, and yes, he was, but I think it's just that like part of it with Joel is he's when I, what I remember reading and they've talked about on broadcast is like, he's been trained not to like put force on his limbs. And I can imagine that when you're fatigued and you're playing 44 minutes like that, after taking a week off, you know, like he did a week ago or so ago, you don't want to like misstep once and all of a sudden you've got a bad knee or ankle. So um, he was clearly gassed in the first half. It's harder to keep moving off the ball and fight for fight for position against a, a defensive player of the year caliber player in Bam Adebayo, and then with help coming from Jimmy Butler and PJ Tucker, whoever else it is. Max Truce has some nice rotations. Like I, I don't know what more you can do when when James Harden plays like that in the second half, and you don't have any other really good passers. And Tobias Harris is kind of quiet, just playing in the corners until the last five minutes of the game. So um, obviously, like I think Doc, there's things that Doc should do better. I don't. Like him playing Matisse for the first two and a half minutes of that third quarter was clearly a big issue as well. But there's not much Joel and the coaches have can do when the guy you brought in to make things easier and getting the ball in easier spots when he's clearly fatigued and already compromised isn't helping you in that regard. So a lot of it really just came down to Harden 
being far too passive in the second half, which is something that we've, you know, we knew was an issue when he when he was acquired. Yeah, Jackson, we wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Especially after that 31 point performance in game six. We're like, okay, maybe he's getting it. They need him to not obviously make, but take big shots. And even if they're not falling, because with the defenses and especially as good as the Heat are, the best defense in, in the NBA throughout the regular season, second best right now behind the Bucks in the playoffs, what they're going to do is just focus on taking away your number one weapon because anybody who watched the Sixers play regularly throughout the season, you saw exactly how they're built. And and you look at Harden's, you know, performance in in a do or die game, by the way, he's now one and eight in his last nine elimination games, but 11 points in the first half, four or seven shooting the season on the line, the final 24 minutes potentially. And he took two shots, both of them from the three point line, didn't get to the free throw, the, the charity stripe at all. When you look at everything that, that we went through, and if you you know, if you recall, we, we did a live stream the day of the deadline when we found out about the trade, yourself, me, and Paul Hudrick, and we were sitting here just glowing, right? We're like, wow, this is huge. You know, they're gonna what does this mean? And and how are they going to uh make a run at a championship? And then we see this from Harden, something that has plagued him really his last six or seven years where he doesn't show up when the season's on the line. And he, again, he played some good games for the Rockets that resulted in that team losing to a juggernaut in, in the Golden State Warriors. But now that we've seen this from him and last year, everybody gave him the benefit of the doubt when he was on the Nets because of the fact that he was dealing with that hamstring issue. And again, we don't know how severe that was at, at this point. But when you look at him, eligible to sign basically a five-year extension at $260 million dollars. If you're Daryl Morey, are you going near that at this point? I mean, I think if that's what he demands, you have to give it to him, right? I mean, what's the what's the contingency for the Sixers? I mean, I, I I just I I I know that Harden's had these issues, and I think obviously the Sixers' fortunes could look much different if Joel doesn't suffer one or both of the injuries that happened over the last two weeks, unfortunately. But what was weird was Harden was good in the first half. He had 11 points, four rebounds. I think he had five or six of his assists in the first half. He was pushing the tempo out of a few really nice passes to Tobias and Maxi had his own bucket in transition early in the game. Like he was good in the first half and it was just like all of a sudden a flip switch to halftime. And he just went totally deferentially. The ball would be in his hands for half a second. He would barely do anything. So um, again, I think you have to give it to him. Yeah. It's not ideal. Um, I know there's been some rumors that maybe he takes less than that to give the Sixers some financial flexibility, but um like, I, I don't know, I, I, it, he's clearly not the player he was, you know, of, of a year and a half ago. Um, but I think he still makes his team a lot better on the whole. Like, I mean, they, I don't think the Sixers win a series without Harden this year, um, which I know is not the goal. But I think if you, if you keep Seth Curry on the rim, you're probably still looking at a, a first round out. So um, that's, that's kind of how I look at it. I know it's not maybe the, the most ideal perspective. I don't, I don't think. Harden's going to be some top five or six player, like maybe his contract would indicate, you know, if he gets the max, but um, I still think it makes the team a lot better on the whole. He made things easier for Joel. Um, the hope would be that he gets a full off season to actually play basketball. I remember he's talked about he didn't play any five on five because he was just rehabbing his hamstring. Um, but the, but the, you know, the, the, just kind of looking at this game today, it's tough and you're not doing this jazz, but it's tough to be like, Oh, like we don't know what the hamstrings like, I mean, his co-star, is playing through a normal fracture concussion, like just out of concussion protocol has a, has a bad thumb. Like, like you at least got to try something, right? Like you can't, it, it, yes, Joel had to play better for the Sixers to win, but at least he tried to like t- t- seven of 24, had some turnovers, got to the line a couple of times, like nine shots, like Shake Milton took, I think six or seven shots the second half. Harden took two, like 
you can't do that. Right. So, um, like, I don't know. I, I know, I know this is always a possibility when you cover James Harden because it happened. Like I think back to the, uh, the game when, uh, when Kawhi missed in what 17 or 18 and he was like two of 13 or something like that only took 13 shots. And that was when he was even more prolific scorer than, you know, he's been in the last couple of years. So, um, it's always a possibility. And that's part of the issue with Harden, but I, I would still give it to him because I think he does make the team a lot better. And, you know, it does help Joel a lot and, and Max, even Tobias, but clearly not the game you're looking for when, you know, your, your best players compromised and, uh, and things aren't going well. And you're just kind of watching from the sidelines, quote unquote. Yeah. For me. And, and again, I think, you know, you, you mentioned what are the Sixers options at this point? I mean, if they don't re-sign James Harden, sure. You got, you had Ben Simmons contract him off the books, although he could opt in for, for a one-year uh, one-year contract on his own. I believe he has the player option for that, but you're still dealing with Tobias Harris's bloated deal at $36, $37 million. So yeah, the Sixers pretty much all hamstrung. But I, I think for me, like like you mentioned, Jackson, there, it was just his passiveness, right? Like, what are you, uh, why aren't you even trying here to do anything? You know what I mean? Especially as Miami started extending that lead early in the third to seven, eight, nine. Like we just didn't see anything from him any urgency any extra gear like he just didn't try and I think that was the part that is so frustrating that he had just as many makes at four as he did turnovers you know what I mean and and I think that's where people are might have a hard time wrapping their heads around you're going to give this guy 260 million dollars and what kind of production are you going to be getting from him in year five because you look at Joel you know considering the season that he had and even with all the injuries that he's racked up throughout his career He's 28 years old, still has, you know, depending big men, as I've said before, age a lot differently than, than guards do, maybe three, four more years of being prime Joel Embiid. So you're going to have to take advantage of this championship window. Um, but again, this is like, this is not only on Harden. They didn't get, the Sixers got virtually nothing again from George Niang, virtually nothing again from Matisse Thibault, <laughs> virtually, no, I mean, you can go down, down the line, right? Like they just didn't get anything. So when you look at, the technical aspect and, and you're great at, at breaking down the game itself. So Jackson, when you're looking at that, is there anything you would have liked to seen doc and the coaching staff maybe do differently as that game started getting away from them, whether that's on the offensive or defensive end? I mean, that's the thing, right? Like we, it comes back to like, you can live, you can be frustrated with you're a fan, a coach, a player. You can live if James Harden goes seven of 19, right. Or even, even his double digits, like you're, you're like, yeah, I would like you to put the ball in the basket more, but like, there's only so much you can do as surrounding players and coaches when you're, when your point guard goes four of nine from the field, it takes, takes two shots. Like, like, like obviously, okay. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not even trying to compare this, but like it's, there is clear irony in the fact that the Sixers traded away a, a point, a left-handed point guard for his lack of offensive aggression. Only yeah. to get one, you know, who, who clearly also not, and I'm not saying that again, Sixers are better with James Harden than, than Benson was not playing. And Harden's a better player, but there's clear irony in that the offensive aggression still plagues a six or left-handed point guard. Um, I don't know much you can do. Like Maxi, like Maxi clearly tried to make things happen, um, but you can't run the same sets you do for Maxi, and you can't run a lot of stuff if Harden's just not going to even like try to attack. Right, like all so much of what Maxi does is playing off of Harden and using his speed and his jumper and all that, and so much of what Tobias does is similar. Right, if 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 Harden's not even willing to entertain a ball screen, those double drags that run early, early in the clock or those foreign's actions, like. Where do you go as players and coaches, right? You're just so limited. So I, I just, I can't, and again, it's not all on, on Harden. He didn't play well, but like it, it, it was very hard to counter past that once he wasn't going to be aggressive. And, and aggressive doesn't have to, you know, I've talked about him previously, doesn't have to be him taking 20 shots. 
It just has to be him looking to get downhill, looking for him to at least be a threat to score. And then he swings it to Maxi, and Maxi can attack from the winger. He swings it to Tobias, and Tobias lets a quick catch and shoot three go from the corners. Like it's just that sort of thing, right? And so that's the biggest issue. I don't. I'm sure if I went back and watched the game, like I, I would see some stuff. That, yeah, yeah, we could we can nitpick about what what Doc and company could have done better, what Maxi or Tobias could have done better. But you're just in a really really narrowly limited spot when Harden just plays like he did tonight, and you just didn't. He just didn't look like he, I, I don't want to ever psychoanalyze, but like he just didn't have interest in like creating for others or creating for himself in that second half. And that's a really tough spot to be for everyone involved after that. Jackson, just and for those of you who might be tuning in a little bit later, we're recording this legitimately right after the, the final tip and our Paul Hedrick at the Wells Fargo Center doing his job there as, as kind of our beat reporter and lead producer uh, just tweeted this out. Doc Rivers said he's not worried about his job security and said he believes he's done a terrific job. Okay. I, I, I just want to say this. I think he did a good job in handling the adversity the Sixers went through because even without Joel, and you remember that stint that he had the COVID case and he had the injury. I mean, the team didn't win many games, but he kept them in it, right? Like, I mean, and we saw that with that Clippers team a few years ago. I believe it was the 2019 season where or the playoffs where they didn't have a lot of talent, but they just played hard and everybody was kind of giving him credit at that point. But I mean, when you look at the on-court stuff, the lack of adjustments, the lack of imagination on the offensive end. Do you agree with his sentiment? Uh, no, but I also don't expect him to say anything otherwise, right? Like, you mean... A terrific though, job, I mean, though? Like, I mean, you, you wouldn't look at it and say, well, I mean, our team did lose in the second round, so oh, I yeah. might have to do yeah, things yeah, better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some of it, yeah. I mean, there's... Yeah, I just... I don't know. Those, those are always... It's always a tough spot to put a coach in, right? That you know, But um, no, I mean... I mean, I'm not going to ever like sit here and be like, oh, like Doc Rivers needs to be fired. But I do think if the Sixers want to get beyond the second round, I don't think Doc was the man for the job. I just, their offensive sets are not as creative as they need to be. I think he could use, I think there's a little more versatility that you could, you could see guys like Maxi and Tobias play with. I think they did a little, I think they did a decent job with James this year, getting them off the ball, running you know, a little bit of stuff from the post and whatnot. Um, but, and, and again, Doc's not going to be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm fearing for my job, of course, but um yeah there are things doc could do better i you know I, I know that they were put in a tough spot when danny green went down the first quarter and danny had a really nice first three minutes hit a three had a nice steal um but like the 12 minutes matisse were just dreadful i mean they were minus 15 in those minutes the sixers and it was especially dreadful in the two and a half minutes he played in the second half um and i know they're lim- i know that i'm a great option like you're just that's the whole thing with the Sixers, right is they had four mostly reliable options this year and then the fifth until danny kind of came alive in the last few weeks of the year um, was always kind of a tenuous spot, but, but yeah, I think there's things Doc should certainly do better. Um, offensive creativity, um, just, you know, handling the back. I mean, it would have been, yeah, I know it didn't really matter in this game, but like, I mean, Paul Reed clearly looked like, I mean, the best option to play back. Yep, center one. Yep. And even, even like, you want to go back to last year? Like I know that Paul Reed's probably a much better play than it was a year ago, but like they kept giving Dwight Howard minutes in the second, in the second round. And, those minutes were awful for the Sixers. Like I have a hard time believing that Paul Reed couldn't have done more. And I know it's a different, it's a different roster construction. Him actually having a, like a, a point guard to feed him the ball in the role with James Harden helps a lot during his minutes, but um, just things like that. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, the docs had, a, you know, he's, you know, doc has done some good things in Philly, as we mentioned, but um, I don't think he is a championship caliber coach. And I think if the Sixers are very serious about winning the title. He is not the man for the job. I think there's clearly a spot for him in the NBA, as you said, Jazz, like kind of one of those, maybe a team that's a little bit shorthanded with talent and needs kind of be coached up, like you mentioned, the Clippers or the, the Embiid list Sixers early this year. Um, but I think clearly the Sixers with Embiid and maybe Harden in the fold moving forward, and even Maxi, 
Um, they should have title aspirations, and they do. And I don't think Doc is the one to, you know, get them there. Yeah, look, and 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 as you mentioned, I mean, the the irony in in the hey, we couldn't rely on Ben Simmons to not only make but take a shot when the season was on the line. Did not see that. You mentioned it. Uh, also, some irony after this game. Jimmy Butler was asked during the post game just about playing against the Sixers. He mentioned how much love he has for Joel Embiid and and how much he respects him. Then he said he still wishes he was with this team. So you look at that now. All these decisions that led to this playoff exit when Joel had such a great season. And again, we we saw how much the injuries hampered him, uh, especially in 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 this series. Even though he he toughed it out um, against uh, against Toronto with the with the ligament the thumb ligament injury. Part of me, but dealing with the the mask and and dealing with all that, I mean, he did whatever he could. But I mean, a, a lot to that. And if, again, I know. I'm not going to sit here and, and cry over spilt milk or because or, hindsight's always 2020 when you look at it, but just taking into stock Jimmy Butler's performance. He was great in this series, uh, dominated the Sixers. And yeah, incredible. Really, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know that Joel had injuries, but like, I mean, he was clearly the best player in the series. I mean, what a phenomenal, what a phenomenal playoffs overall from Jimmy still. I mean, just, I mean, he, <laughs> and the way he does it is so impressive, right, Jackson, because he's not this like dead eye three point shooter, although he has been pretty damn good throughout the playoffs. But when you look at the way he plays the game, it's kind of reminiscent of what you saw at the beginning of the century in terms of he, he takes a lot of twos and, and, you know, he doesn't get to the rim for per se, these easy lands. He's able to hit these floaters or, or, you know, pull up jumpers. And, and you just see what he did in this second round, 27 and a half points. Um, average seven and a half rebounds, even five and a half assists, and just played so so good. So, giving him some credit. I don't want to sound like this was all because the Sixers sucked and and the Heat, you know, were just this talentless team that got lucky. No, uh, I, I don't think. Yeah, poorly, uh, largely, Sixers largely played poorly because the Heat were awesome tonight in Game Six. They were awesome defensively, and at different points they were awesome offensively. I mean, just the the stuff Max Struess in the first half. PJ Tucker was a killer all series of the Sixers with his his cuts and his helps on defense and his, his corner threes, his floater. I know he didn't hit any threes tonight, but his floaters, like he just, I mean, bam was great defensively. Like, yeah, the Sixers didn't do some things well, but the heat, he just played better. And I think the, the play that kind of encapsulated it was uh, I think about five and a half minutes to go. Jimmy misses a little runner. The Sixers kind of watched the ball bound. Jimmy tracks it down, then hits a three. And I think they like panda Jimmy. He's like mouthing like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and that, that was it, right? Jimmy, Jimmy hit a lot of shots that maybe he didn't hit throughout the regular season. And this, and then this, Second half, the Heat made a lot more plays that just kind of showed a kind of a, a level of connectivity that the Sixers didn't have for most of that second half. Yeah, and 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 you look at this this game in particular, the Sixers actually made five more three pointers. You know what I mean? Didn't shoot as well from inside the paint, and that was the killer in this one. Miami had an advantage there, sixty-two to forty-eight. Also, the Heat had twenty-two points off of Philly turnovers, and the Heat out rebounded. Philly 49 to 35 to 13 offensive rebounds. There were so many plays that pissed me off, Jackson. Sorry, I'm just going to go off on a tangent here, but like PJ Tucker friggin' getting, you know, offensive rebounds and lay-ins. And there was like, he had four offensive rebounds, PJ Tucker, you know what I mean? Who a guy who just stands in the corner on the offensive end, waiting for open threes and Harden just couldn't even get a body on him. And, and it was so frustrating to watch, as I mentioned earlier, just the lack of effort compared to what the Heat were getting from their secondary guys like P.J. Tucker, Max Struess, who was great in, in the first half, cooled off a bit in the second. But as you mentioned, he had 20 points. You had Dwayne Dedman coming in, the guy who was dead in the water in terms of his career. You know what I mean? A year ago. Now, he, you know, he came out and played with effort and just it was just disappointing. And I know that the Sixers guys, especially their, their top four in terms of indeed Maxi Harden and Tobias Harris, they looked fatigued. At this point, you know what I mean? Playing basically every two days didn't have the advantage of get, getting a three day break like we saw happen with Milwaukee and Boston, like we saw happen with Golden State 
and and Memphis, but I mean, those guys just look tired and and nobody else gave us anything, gave the, the Sixers anything in this series and in that in that uh in the last two games at least. Cause I mean, we saw Danny Green have a pretty good outing. George Niang had a decent one when they were back at, at home for games three and four, but uh not much again in, in this game in terms of effort outside of maybe Joel, uh Shake Milton and, and Tyrese Maxey. Let's take a break here, Jackson. I want to jump into some big picture stuff, getting into the offseason now and talk about Daryl Morey as well. We'll do that coming up in about a minute. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back, Jackson. Talking a little bit there before the break, just about the lack of effort and the lack of secondary production that you saw. And and really, the Heat's depth advantage was so apparent throughout this series. Although, like I said, games three and four, you're like, okay, the Sixers have a chance at this, assuming Joel plays up to the level where and he is accustomed to, and you're getting some decent offensive output from Harden. But looking at the big picture stuff now, okay, Harden also, by the way, reading this tweet, uh, coming out that Harden said he will opt into the final year of his dear of his deal, so likely will be here again next season unless he is moved somehow. Again, I don't I don't see that happening just at his current contract. Also, side note, just saw something else on social media that he will be the second highest paid player in the league behind Steph Curry. So, uh, looking looking at this right now, big picture stuff, Jackson. You're Daryl Morey. What are the first things you're trying to take care of in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, I think. I think on the whole, Daryl's done a very good job. The way he remade the roster of the over the past year and a half has clearly made some issues, made some missteps on the margins, not really doing anything at last year's deadline beyond getting, you know, George Hill recovering from a thumb surgery and a long layoff. And then this year, not not being able to supplement any sort of rotation player outside of the Harden deal really hurt them, I think, as we saw, you know, with Matisse being a non-factor and Danny being in, in that lineup at times, and obviously, you know, missing, you know, most of game six, unfortunately. But um you, I mean, you just got you got to find a little more range and athleticism on the wings. Um, I, I think you're good at backups. Like honestly, like I think maybe you sign a guy if you want, but like I think between both Bassey and Reed, you're gonna find someone you can play for, you know, 14 minutes a night. Sometimes fill in for big minutes when Joel's resting, or you know, you know, fingers crossed it has an has an injury or something like that. Or fingers crossed doesn't have an injury. I'm not wanting <laughs> because I'm not hoping for an injury with Joel, of course. Um, <laughs> but then I think one more guard like. I think Shake, you know, we've seen what Shake can do. And, and I like this one. And credit to Shake is that he he will go and look for his shower. That that's not always an easy thing to do, right? Like, and so that's important. But I think another guard off the bench would be nice for them to have. Um, maybe one more shooter. Um, I would, I mean, I I maybe I don't want to be like too caught up in the moment, but like I think like barring you to get there's nothing available. Like I would move Matisse. But I think I just he just has given you nothing for basically three playoff runs now. And I just, I don't know what, what, what he, he makes, he makes basically all of your best players jobs harder. And I don't think the, the defense has been good enough in this kind of lead stock. We're like, wait, wait, right. We always talk about like a 
a primary ball handler, I think, or secondary ball handler, something like that. Matisse went from being the secondary point of attack guy to the primary point of attack guy, and his defense clearly suffered, you know, without Ben Simmons around. So um, I don't know what what significant purpose he served to advance the Sixers title hope, so I would try and move him. Um, I think Isaiah Joe deserves a shot. I don't know if he's going to get one, but, like, I think that's something you want to explore a little bit. But um, a little more range on the inside and the wings, like I said, backup guard would be the two areas to explore. Um I would still be looking to kind of see what Tobias's market is like. I know he didn't play well the last four games, but overall, I think this was a pretty positive playoff experience for him and the way he kind of evolved his game to around Harden and Embiid post-trade deadline was very impressive and, and worth commending. So um, those are kind of things I would do. I think overall, Daryl's in quite well in his year and a half with the Sixers, but clearly some missteps. And generally, it just it goes to kind of show you how small the margin of error is to rebuild a championship roster after all of the mistakes that um, the Colangelo era, the Brett Brown era, the Elton Brand era, kind of all, all those different things, right? So um, when you're not nailing things and being perfect, as Daryl hasn't been, you have second-round exits. And so uh, it's a tough spot to be. And, you know, as we said, one of those missteps is not getting Jimmy Butler. So um, there's a big difference between having Jimmy, James Harden, and Joel versus Jim, versus James Harden, Tobias Harris, and Joel. And clearly, you know, that, that's been felt the last couple of years. So, um just to kind of summarize, see what the market's like for Tobias and Matisse, upgrade it, get another backup guard, get another wing, you know, off, off the bench. And I think kind of see what you have in some of your young guys, whether it's a Jaden Springer, um, Isaiah Joe, Paul Reed, Charles Bassey, and encourage whichever, whoever it is as coach um, to, to play those guys more and kind of experiment in the regular season, because I think you, it's okay to kind of treat the regular season as more of an experimentation than maybe the Sixers have the last two years. Yeah, and they've been seeming like they've been going balls out to try and, you know, obviously win a ton of games, which is not a bad thing in the regular season, but figuring out how to make adjustments, I, I think, has been an issue. And and you look at this, I mean, James Harden also said that why only took two shots. Again, this is coming post-game from the quotes. Uh, he said that we were running our offense, the ball didn't get back to me. Uh, okay, I agree with him uh, on that. Mind you, he does have the ball in his hands literally for the first 10 seconds of the possession, right? Because the Sixers seemed like they couldn't get anything going until there was 14 left on the shot clock. And you look at this, just a lack of imagination. And, and now how, how are they going to be able to rectify this? And again, uh, Daryl Morey maybe had his hand forced into giving up Seth Curry. I think Seth Curry would have made a big difference for this team. Maybe not have you know taken him to the second round, but uh, he's capable of scoring 25 points on any given night and, and certainly would give you around the 15, 16 range just because he's such a good shooter. Uh, obviously adding shooting has to be at the top of the list as well. But when you look at, offensively like what would you like to see Philly try and run next season assuming we have Embiid Harden and and Maxi back which obviously looks like it's go that is going to be the case but with those th three guys there how do they make it so they're not so reliant on getting Joel the ball on the block or when he's sealing right in front of the the rim or you know what I mean off a off a back cut that he's he's being able to like a big to small screen uh, on the block where he's able to cut across it and catch the ball in the post. Like what else would you want to see from the imagination, whether it's Doc Rivers or a new head coach for next season? Yeah. Well, I think, I think one thing you did see sometimes throughout this, this postseason, even maybe toward the end of the regular season is you saw Joe, Joel be used as a spacer. So whether it's on the wings, the corners, and just kind of go five out. Um, that's something I would try and tap into more at times. Um, you, I think you want to see more two man connections among the three of, Tyrese, uh, or Tyrese, uh, Tobias, and Ty Tyrese, Tobias, and James. My goodness, so many names, uh, lots to think about. Uh, things like that, I think you want to see more of. So, um, obviously, you'd expect Maxi to be even better than he was a year ago. 
Um, I mean, just, just look at the growth in a bunch of areas of Maxi from September through May. And just imagine what he's going to be like next time in December of next year. I think you're looking at a guy who could definitely be a fringe all-star, honestly. Um, I think, you know, so those sort of things you want. So just like more shot creation with, to, from Tyrese would be someone you can, you can kind of bank on a little bit, I think. Um, I think it's not unreasonable to think that Harden could be a more reliable shot creator, you know, a full year and a half removed from that, that hamstring injury. So um, things like that, but yeah, just kind of get the, your, your three other best offensive options a little more in tandem with each other. It just felt like a lot of the stuff they were at, maybe beyond the kind of the Tyrese and, and James screening for each other stuff was just one guy do something, then play off of it, kind of bring them together, make stuff happen together. So there's just some ideas right there. I'd have to think about a little more in depth, watch some, you know, film of who, if Doc's still around, maybe watch some old film or, you know, watch some stuff like that. But um, that's kind of where I go. I think, I think there's, there's definitely kind of a, a higher ceiling for this offense to be, I think definitely underwhelmed. Some of that was inconsistencies from the players, but I think a lot of it too was schematic, just kind of limitations. Yeah. And, and they're severely hampered by, by the lack of, of talent too. And, and I think, you know what I mean? Just the secondary talent. Again, you have Joel Embiid, you have Tyrese Max, you have James Harden kind of taken on the big three role Tobias Harris overpaid, but it's still a very good NBA player. You, so you have the nucleus there to, to get things done. Haven't been to a conference finals since obviously that magical 2001 season with Allen Iverson, SB nation, the company I work for did send out a bit of a backhand, a compliment to the Sixers. I do have to say, saying that um, the Kings have made it to more conference finals than the Sixers since then. And the Kings obviously haven't made the playoffs since back in 2006, but uh, looking at, at the, the big picture stuff, Jackson, like, frustrating to be a Sixers fan, frustrating to have to go through this now, eliminated in the second round four of the past five years, although safe to say that bubble was was a joke without Ben Simmons and, and everything that happened there. The Raptors lost in 2019 with the Kawhi shot, losing to the to a less talented Hawks team last season, and then now coming up short again when the expectations were so high. So when you look at this, like, what are what's the frustration? Like, you've covered the team for, for so long now. What has the frustration been like for you when you watch this team play and 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 when you look at again, just the the perils of being a Sixers fan is just as part of the course for what we've seen throughout the last twenty years, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think as someone who's covered them for so long now, you just kind of you just kind of get numb to it. Like, I mean, I know I've only covered them for I think I guess I covered them since, since Ben's rookie year, um, but like at this point, like if they make it beyond the second round, it's like wow, that's cool. Like I get to cover the I get to cover the third round of the playoffs, you know. And I, I obviously I cover the league as a whole, so it's not like new to me, but um, covering a specific team, it would be. But, yeah, I mean, it's just they they made a lot of missteps um, post-Hinky, and it's hard to it's hard to account for all those. And, and I, I'm not saying that, like, everyone else is free of faults and whatnot, but um, when you kind of – kind of, I guess, what's the way how to when – you, when you poorly manage assets and players and flexibility like they did for three or four years – when you have very young, young talented stars and whatnot, it's hard to win. It's it's hard to win a title regardless. It's much harder when you squander those those kind of pathways to kind of increase your chances of winning a title or being a final finals contender. So um it is what it is at this point. I thought they would lose to the heat. I didn't think it would come like this. I thought you'd see a little more competitiveness the last couple of games. Again, and there were some things the Sixers did wrong. The Heat did deserve a lot of credit, but um generally speaking, this is kind of how I just expect Sixers season to end at this point. You're good enough to win a series when you got Joel and you're not kind of completely hampered by injury like they were in the bubble. But um, beyond that, it's it's hard and they haven't kind of found the necessary steps to 
progress beyond winning a first round series. Yeah, it's been it's 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 been hectic and it's been you know disappointing all around. But again, they do have a path to becoming a legitimate NBA championship contender if they can make some you know good moves this offseason. Again, that Tobias Harris contract that I mentioned earlier severely hampering them being able to do anything. Could look at a team like OKC, could look at a team that that has the ample cap space that you might be willing to give up some future assets in order to un- offload that contract. So again, there's so much work to be done. Unfortunately, the on-court por- portion of it is now over. I want to thank everyone uh, for joining us throughout the season. This is my first year on the job covering the team and, and working as a producer for our podcast network. So thanks to everyone who's, who's stuck with us and, and new listeners as well. Uh, also, Jackson, I want to say thank you to you, man. You kind of came on with us at the beginning of this season and, and did a great job. And, and you know, we'll do this and, and not as often. So the good news is most of your evenings will probably be free now. So I won't have to bother you to hop on the podcast. But just want to say thanks for all your work, uh, not only in the podcast network, but on the written side of things as well. Yeah, glad we could do this most of the year. And uh, apologies for anyone who is listening to this. I am working through a bit of a sore throat. So hence some of my coughing and my uh, and whatnot. But yeah, always happy to talk with you, Jazz. I'm sure we'll do it in the offseason, but not as frequently. And hey, we're only we're only two months away from Summer League. Maybe we'll be able to uh, break down some Jaden Springer and Isaiah Joe and Charles Basti tape in a, in a couple of months. So that should be fun, but always happy to talk with you, Jazz. Oh, thanks, Jackson. That should be a lot more joyful than watching this team have to struggle through what we have uh, throughout the playoffs on certain nights. So that'll do it for this episode of Sixers Daily. It'll be your final postgame edition of the 2021-2022 season. We're still going to have lots on the go for you. Sean will be back with the Talking About podcast on Friday. I'm sure he'll do a deep dive into what the Sixers need to do this offseason and summarize everything that went wrong really during this playoff run. And uh, we'll have you covered basically all the way through. Still be doing some general NBA talk and we'll keep you covered with some player reviews. Also, obviously, previewing the NBA draft, although Sixers don't have a first round pick at this point, but we'll get into that and also be doing lots of free agency work as well. So as I mentioned off the top, as I always do, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We always appreciate a five-star review and we'll catch up with you again. Won't be a post-game edition, but we'll catch up with you again very soon.